0: Welcome to episode 165 of the Fitness Simplified podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, we're gonna talk about setting successful New Year's resolutions with Dr. Karin Nordeen. Dr. Nordeen is a PhD expert in mindset and behavior change. She's the founder and owner of Body Brain Alliance, which helps people make compassion first change. So if you're considering setting New Year's resolutions and would like some expert guidance on how to do that, this episode is for you before we jump into the episode quick reminder fitter by the day is coming next week fitter by the day is my new four-week health protocol for daily body and mind training daily movement protein tracking mindful eating and crucial mindset work will move you from where you are right now to the fitter healthier lifestyle you want So Wednesday, January 4th, you can get your hands on fitter by the day. If you have good intentions, if you plan to move your body, if you plan to eat healthier, but there's this gap between that planning and those intentions and what you actually do and you can't quite bridge that gap. That is what Fitter by the Day is built to do, to help you bridge that gap between what you want to do and what your behavior actually is. Make sure you are on my main mailing list. I'm going to put the link right here in the show notes so that you can get on that mailing list and get your hands on Fitter by the Day on Wednesday, January 4th. On to the episode. Let's go. Karen, hello, hello. How are you? I am so excited to have you here for a chat. I have to tell you, when I get on social media as a consumer, I'm looking for a couple of things. I'm looking for dogs. Okay, always looking for dogs. I'm I'm looking for Harry Styles. Big Harry Styles fan. I'm looking for uh, current events from Sharon says so, and I'm looking for Karen Nordine. That's what I oh. come on and look for. Seriously, like I've I've muted so many other things that I follow. I'm looking for your content.
1: It's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad. And you, we've got your dog interest covered too. <laughs> yes.
0: I have to tell you, okay, your dog's name, Zoom, confused me for a while when I first started following you. I thought you're talking about the platform, Zoom. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what you meant when you say things like taking Zoom out for a walk. I was like, <laughs> so she goes on calls? Because I would go on calls too when I walk. And I'm like, that's an interesting way to phrase that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was named after Zoom because he was a pandemic puppy, but. Cute, very cute. Now, what kind of dog is he? He is a um, black lab, but he has a little bit of Australian Shepherd in him. So he has that kind of like smart herding dog instinct. Okay, so he has a lot of need for like energy. Like he's got to like work and do stuff. Yes, he has a very active brain.
0: Okay, I have two um, mini golden doodles. So they're a lot more chill. They don't need quite so much, um, you know, activity and fake job kind of stuff. (laughs) Well, look, let's turn our conversation from dogs to other important business. The new year is upon us. Tomorrow, as we're recording this, tomorrow is December. It will be just around the corner by the time I publish this. And what a great opportunity for us to chat about all things goal setting. And so that's going to be our chat today. And before we can kind of jump into talking about next year, 2023, it's important for us to chat about this year. So I want to start with this question for you. How can people review 2022 in a way that is actually beneficial
1: to them? Yeah. So I think the answer to that is to ask yourself directed questions. Um, Similar to if you were going to have a performance review with someone who was like your direct report, what would you be asking them? Um and so to give you a couple questions that we ask our clients and that I ask myself I would look for number 1 what are the best moments like what were my most memorable moments this year um when i think back on this year like what stands out what's a highlight what brought me joy or peace or fulfillment or satisfaction or challenge or whatever it is that i want to be feeling um i think a lot of people when they review it tends to be like A a sort of check mark based situation where it's like, oh, did I or did I not accomplish this goal? Did I or did I not do this? And that's all great and well, but there's a lot of psychological research that shows that if we have a strength focus and we actually learn from the moments that are going really well, that can be really powerful for us. So that's the number one thing I would look at. Number two thing I would look at is what data do you actually have about your life because our memories of what actually happened and how often we did or didn't do something are often really skewed. And so I would encourage you to look at um, any technology you have, like, can you look back on previous Instagram stories? Can you look at where your location was on your iPhone? Can you look at your habit tracker or your planner if, if you fill out one of those? look at the raw data that you have and just see what kind of conclusions those data might be leading you towards. Um, And then the third thing is focusing on skills. I think a lot of people neglect to focus on what are the skills I learned this year? What are the things that I got better at? What are the change or mindset skills that improved or didn't improve? And that can kind of lead you into some of the conversation about what you might be focused on next year love all of those.
0: Um I think a lot of times people feel a sense of guilt when they look back about all the things they didn't accomplish that they should have and I'm putting that in air quotes here, right? It mm-hmm. seems like a really common thing like we're often maybe just ready to like okay, I'm not going to think about that. Like I'm just going to I'm just going to look forward cuz that feels kind of ouchy to me. Mm-hmm. What can help them with that?
1: So, number one is I would encourage you to actually not avoid that emotion. Um because If you are looking back and you're frustrated about something, frustration is a huge clue that you care about something, Mm -hmm. right? Frustration means that that means something to you. And so rather than hiding from guilt or frustration or shame or whatever it might be, actually allowing ourselves to sit in that a little bit and feel bad can be a really important learning experience just in terms of like allowing that emotion and letting it go. Because one of the things that we don't wanna do is resist the emotion and just focus on next year all of the time. Because then we live in a world where we're not actually learning from those emotions. We're not actually learning from the past at all. So that would be the number one thing I would say. And then the number two thing that I would say is that guilt or shame or whatever it might be, usually, almost always, comes from a gap between what reality was and what your expectations were, what you think you should have done versus what you actually did. And I would encourage you to challenge the should. So like, why shouldn't you have done that? So for example, um, one of the goals I had for this year was to lift a total of 600 pounds at a powerlifting meet. I did do a powerlifting meet. I did not hit that 600-pound total. And if I was thinking I should have trained harder, then that would make me feel really guilty. But if I ask myself, what are the very good reasons I shouldn't have trained harder? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, I unexpectedly bought a house this year. So probably good that I focused on that and took a little time off of training in order to deal with all of the stress of that situation. Number two, I exponentially increased my flexibility when it comes to workouts and what that looks like i gained that skill because i wasn't training on an extremely regimented schedule so if you start to challenge that intentionally and direct your brain towards challenging that that could be a really helpful reframe i like that so the guilt is coming from the judgments we're making about
0: what we should have done you know that should and so looking at it in this different way and kind of challenging that and poking at it can help us to after we kind of sit with that guilt kind of move on from it. Right. Right. I like that a lot. Okay. So we, okay, go ahead.
1: No, really quick. I was just going to say, this is one of the things that um, one of my, our Alliance coaches, Catherine came up with this. So I'll credit her, but she always asks her clients when they're feeling guilty about like, Oh, I didn't um, I didn't go to the gym this week. She will say, Oh, did you go to the circus this week? And they'll be like, no. And she's like, do you care that you didn't go to the The circus. And they're like, well, no, because I didn't have any expectation that I was going to go to the circus. And that's a really good way. If you feel like, oh, my guilt is tied to my actions. No, 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 no. Your feelings are tied to your judgment of those actions, not to the actions you took themselves. That reminds me, I heard you say this somewhere.
0: I don't know what I heard you, t- you were talking about the same type of thing you were talking about. How many times last year did I eat spaghetti? Mm-hmm. And like, how do I feel about the fact that I only ate it six times? Like I don't feel any way about it. Like I have no feelings about it. It's very neutral because why would I? But how many times did I go to the gym last year? I have more feelings about that. So I really like that comparison of pulling out something else so that we can kind of see that it's the judgment we're having about our expectations. Really good, good stuff. Okay, yeah. so we've, we've reviewed 2022. We've had some, um, you know, learning from that. So maybe a person's ready to set a goal, or maybe they're not, because there's a whole lot of talk out there, like, there's nothing special about New Year's, and people, and I have to tell you, complete transparency. I used to say that as a younger coach, right? I think a lot of us do. We're like, well, just start now, right? Can you share, as a behavior change expert, what does this science say about New Year's resolutions.
1: Yes. So what the science says is that there is something that is a very real thing called the fresh start effect. And that means that if we make a significant change, if we start a habit, if we change something about our lives, whatever it might be, set a goal. If we do that on a particular date, a date that has significance, that goal is likely to last longer. So in some of the experiments that they've done, they will tell people, hey, we're gonna ask you to set this financial goal. And half of the people they'll say, they don't tell them anything about the date they want them to start. But the other half, they will tell them, you're gonna start this on the first date of like the spring equinox or some like random arbitrary holiday. And the data shows that those people actually hang on to those habits longer. And those habits are more sustainable because there's something about that attachment to that fresh start that helps us psychologically distinguish between the past version of ourselves and the now version of ourselves. And so when coaches say like, you know, whatever, don't wait until January 1st, I'm like, actually you could. And actually it might be Really beneficial to you. So one of the things we do in our coaching program is we actually shut down applications for December, we don't take any new clients in December and we intentionally um, open applications so that people can start with the new year because we want to take advantage of that scientific effect.
0: Yeah. And when this episode releases, it's going to be close to New Year's. So what a great thing to take advantage of. Now, if you're listening to this later and it's like June, you don't have to wait till the next year, New Year's, but you could transfer this knowledge to some other date. Like maybe you're going to start on your birthday that's coming up or the 4th of July or the first of a month. Like you can harness this information and use it at at the time that's closer. We're not trying to say you have to always wait till New Year's, but looking for these like moments in time that can help delineate your For former self and your future self. It's a really, it's a really great, I'm not going to call it a trick. It's just a um, piece of knowledge that we have that you can use. So love that. Okay. So a person is ready to to pick a goal. Mm -hmm. How can they pick? There's so many goals to pick from. And they had, I know I've been there in the past, like, well, this whole like drama that we can create in our minds about like, what should I pick? What are your suggestions to help a person pick?
1: So first, I want to I want to talk a little bit about where that pressure comes from. And if you have like 16 habits and you're like, I need to do all of these things, it is likely because you are not having enough self-love or appreciation or acceptance or neutrality for where you're at right now. And so you're in a rush to become your 2.0 self, this different version of you, and so you think you have to do all of these things, immediately, you can't possibly pick or prioritize one because you need to get, quote, there. And you think, quote, there, whatever that there is, is going to be better. And so that is the first thing I would encourage you to dismantle because it's sort of like if you, um, you know, if you're driving a car and you're on your way home and there's 10 minutes left of your drive, If you have to pee, that 10 minutes feels like an hour and a half. And it's the same thing with change. If you're anxious about getting to the point where a habit is automatic or you're always going to the gym or you're always doing this or that or the other thing, that experience is going to be so much more painful and so much longer for you and less effective. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing that I would say is I would encourage you to think about how your habits or your goals or whatever you are thinking about are going to kind of ping pong into each other. Um, This is a concept called strategic byproducts. So let's say that you have five habits and you're trying to narrow that down to two. Are there two of those habits that might naturally ping pong into the other ones happening? And can you focus on those? So to give you a, a concrete example, one of the habits that I often focus on is getting up earlier in the day. Getting up early is not this like magical card for success. I want to be really clear about that. For me, though, it is. For me, it it drastically impacts my mental health. If I had to choose between focusing on getting up at 6 a.m. and focusing on going for a walk every day, I'm going to choose 6 a.m. knowing that the 6 a.m. version of myself is more likely to go for a walk, but the version of myself that's going for a walk is not necessarily more likely to get up at 6 a.m. So think about the strategic byproducts of each habit and then focus on the ones that are going to have the largest domino effect. Ooh, I love that. What a different way of thinking of things. We often
0: think of things in such discrete, like I want to do this, 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 and all these different things and that they're not connected. So looking for those connections. I like that a lot. So a lot of the times when people are are thinking like, okay, what do I want to, what I want to set in the new years? A lot of times it's, they want to stop doing something. Like I want to stop overeating sweets. Like I want to stop scrolling on my phone in bed all night. Mm-hmm. How can they improve on these types of goals? I'm not saying those are bad. Like, like I can see the benefit in doing those things, right. For some people, but how can they make those goals better? How can they be improved?
1: Yeah. So for this one, um, what this is actually called in the science is an avoidance goal versus an approach goal. An avoidance goal is something you're moving away from, something you're getting rid of. An approach goal is something that you're moving towards. Typically, approach goals have shown themselves to be more successful because your brain needs something to focus on. Your brain needs something to move towards. Um, And so it's very similar to a lot of the parenting literature and even a lot of the puppy training literature, to go back to dogs, oddly enough. About redirection. So when Zoom was really small, I wasn't just going to yell at him, like, no, you can't chew on that shoe. It was I would remove him from the shoe and I would give him a toy. This is the right thing to chew on. And that is the exact same concept with something like, I'm going to stop scrolling so much. A lot of people want to get rid of scrolling. Okay. But if you don't tell your brain, what you want it to be doing with that time and that energy. If you don't tell your brain where you want it to be getting that stimulation and entertainment, then you're going to go right back to that habit because you haven't given it something to move towards. And so I always ask people, okay, if you want to give up that, if you want to get rid of that, what are you going to do instead? What need is that is currently being fulfilled by that activity? Where are you going to get that need fulfilled? And what are you, when are you going to do that thing? So we're not just going to not ever go on TikTok for the rest of our lives, but you might be able to say, you know what? I really want to be more present with my partner from 8 PM until when I go to bed. So what I am going to focus on doing is putting my phone in my bedroom on the charger at 8 PM and spending that time with him. And then I'm also going to focus on allowing myself time to scroll for 30 minutes after work so that i get that out i get that that connection to people and i can really focus on that 8 p m time yeah i uh,
0: i did this last year so i have historically not been a person who uh loves the morning i just <laughs> i'm solidly a midday kind of gal is where i where i was and you know as i did more things in my life as i started this business as my business grew I found that um, I would wake up every morning and be immediately stressed because I would lay in bed and I'd hit my alarm and I'd hit it again and I'd open up my phone and all of a sudden there's emails coming in and like there's fires to put out and I'm on social media and I'm comparing myself to all of my friends and their businesses. And like, I haven't even gotten out of bed and I feel like my day is ruined. Like I, I was just a mess. And so I was like, I want to fix this. And so I had. it took me a long time to come up with what was I going to do. Because I was like, it's not going to work to just be like, you're not going to look at your phone. You're not going to look at your phone. And so I had to really come up with what would I want to do? Because there's not much I want to do in the morning. Like, there's just not. And I finally came up with the idea that I really like to read and I like to read for fun. For years now, I've mostly read like, um, like behavior change stuff and fitness stuff and nutrition stuff. And I was like, you know, I haven't really read like books just for fun in a long time. And so I ordered some books just for fun. And then I made it literally as easy as possible. I put a chair, like a comfy chair in my bedroom. Like it was 10 feet from my bed in front of a window so I could get that morning light. And I was like, all I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up and I'm going to put my phone somewhere else. And when I wake up, I'm going to go over to my bed and pick up this book. And sure enough, like... It was shocking how quickly I became a morning person because I'd get up and I didn't read that book at other times of the day. It was sitting in that chair and it was this thing that I could get up and I would read this book for, you know, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes 30. I gave myself flexibility depending on the day, but it was really powerful for me that like all of a sudden, like I liked getting up because I wanted to find out what was going to happen in this great book. And it would not have had the same impact to like get up and be excited about not scrolling on my phone. Right. Right. Like it's just not the same thing. at at all.
1: And, and I have, um, a whole course on morning routines called meaningful mornings. And one of the things that people say is really powerful about that course is that I, I teach you in that course all about how you need to set up a morning. You are actually going to look forward to. So maybe the reason why your morning routine has failed in the past is because you're following like the miracle morning or whatever, where it's like, you have to meditate and then read and then do like 10 minutes of exercise. And it's this list of like six things that you actually don't want to do at all. And so of course you're going to be highly motivated. It's actually going to be harder to get up in the morning. If you expect yourself to do those things versus like What if you let yourself scroll? What if you let yourself play video games? For a while, when I first really got into 5 a.m. mornings for the first 30 minutes, I would let myself watch YouTube videos because the blue light from my laptop actually helped me wake up and I would watch like my favorite vloggers kind of going about their day and it just put me in a great mental headspace and it gave me that screen time and then I was able to start my day. So I totally resonate with that
0: that story you just told is funny because it's literally what I did. Like I did read that book and then I I followed this one particular influencer schedule because I'm like, this is it. This is going to be the key. And so literally what I had done was add 10 things to my schedule. Like I had to get up and like I had to like meditate. I I have ADHD. Like I don't want to sit quietly and not think about things. I had to meditate. I had this gratitude journal. I had to write. And I'm saying had to because this is I was following her formula. You had to write your goals as if though they had already taken. And every day you had to copy them over. So I had 10. And every day I'd be like writing this whole paper. So right? boring. <laughs> So oh I'm, I'm meditating, I'm writing those things. And then I was like, I'm going to read my scriptures. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. So now not only did I have to get out of bed and not look at my phone, but I had this, I had added this whole list of things that I really didn't want to do. And I had so much friction about doing this. Like shocking that that didn't work for me, guys. <laughs> totally shocking that that didn't work, nor did these other, like, I don't want to get up and take a sh- cold shower. Like, I literally don't want to get up. Like, right. why was I making it painful for myself? Like this light bulb went off when I finally was like, I need to do something I actually want to do. It was such, it was such a moment for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've set our goal. We have picked a goal. Mm -hmm. So often what happens is we're a couple of weeks in and then all of a sudden we're like, I think I want to change my mind. Like, actually, I want to do this other thing. Like, Mm -hmm. how can we not do that? Because it's hard to make any progress if you're constantly like, I start this. Well, no, this is kind of, well, maybe it's kind of hard now. I think maybe I'll do this other thing. What's your advice there?
1: Yeah. So in behavior change, we have this this concept called an urge. And an urge is like an impulse. It is that, oh, I'm going to like, buy these bath bombs on Amazon, or, oh, I'm going to eat like another cupcake, or, oh, I really want to scroll right now instead of doing work, right? All of those are urges. And we know intuitively that like sometimes we can resist those urges, right? We don't always, always say yes to giving ourselves the cupcake or buying the bath bombs or whatever. Your desire to change your goal is sometimes an urge and not a true desire. And so that is because we as humans get a, I, I won't say dopamine hit because I hate that term. It's extremely scientifically inaccurate. If someone says the term dopamine hit to you, you need to question their knowledge of psychology. Um, so it's not dopamine hit, but we do, our brain gets satisfaction from The idea of setting a new goal, because all of a sudden we're in the land of possibility again. And in the land of possibility, this magical life that we're dreaming of is true. And we're essentially profiting off something that we don't actually have yet, right? So I want you to start thinking about your desire to change your goal or switch your habit or whatever as like, is this a genuine desire or is this an urge? and one of the best ways to figure that out in any context like do i genuinely want this cupcake or is this an urge is simply to wait because an urge will rise and fall like a wave you'll forget about it you'll it'll come to a peak and you'll really 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 the thing but if you breathe through that and you let it you know let it go it will eventually subside and so a tool that you can actually use to implement that even further is to give yourself decision containers so to say I'm going to do this habit for four weeks. Not I'm going to do this habit indefinitely. Not I'm going to start waking up at 7 a.m. and forever for my entire life, I'm going to do it, right? Then of course, when your brain's like, I I don't want to do this anymore. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going to switch, right? But if you're like, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m. for four weeks and then on this date, I'm going to evaluate that goal and see if I want to continue doing it. That's a much shorter commitment, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like, the question of do you want to go on a blind date versus do you want to go on Love Is Blind and like marry someone <laughs> like one of those is a much bigger commitment than the right. other, um, and so you can think about that with your goals as well.
0: I like that. So setting a time when you set your goal, say I'm doing this for X number of weeks or whatever it is. Is four weeks a good time? Do you think that feels like it's not so long? Is there is there I don't want to say optimal, but is there a, a, a kind of like a recommended time you would say that is like enough to get you some results if you're doing it, and it, but not so long. Like, look, a year is too long, guys. Like, don't say I'm doing this for a year. But like, what do you think?
1: I would say it depends on your current self-accountability skills. So if you're a person who is always changing things and it is challenging for you to stick to something for more than a couple of days, maybe you set like, hey, for this, for the next five days, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this five times and then I'm going to re-eval- reevaluate. Versus if it's something that you know you know has has worked before for you, it's not going to be that difficult, then you might extend the timeline a little bit. Okay, great. I like that. I like that flexibility there. So you were talking
0: about this urge and you use a term a lot. I've heard you say this before, and I'm curious to find out from you if it's a scientific term or if this is a Karen made up term that just yeah. works really well, because I like it a lot. Urge surfing, like that's what okay. you're describing. Is that a scientific term or is that something you just kind of creatively came up with?
1: Um, no, so that is a a clinical tool that is used., um, I guess not clinical is probably the wrong word because that we don't use things that are built for clinical populations. Right. Um, but it is a term that is used um, in I'm trying to remember, see if I can remember who the author is. but it's it's a positive psychology tool that has been recognized and developed. It's not my thing. We do teach it in our coaching program, but, if you Google urge surfing, you'll find tons of trainings about it and things like that.
0: Got it. I find it a really useful concept. I mean, you know, just how you were describing it there. Like, you know, it's gonna your urge is gonna come, it's gonna peak, it's gonna swell, and it's gonna subside. And if we can give ourselves that time to kind of sit with that discomfort and and um, it can pass. So, all right, where does self compassion come into all of this? Mm-hmm. Where does it come in when you're setting goals and and working on your goals? Where does that come in?
1: So, a lot of people will distinguish, I don't need self compassion. I need more discipline, mm-hmm. right? That is what people will say. What I'm going to tell you is, as an expert, I can tell you that discipline is a byproduct of having enough awareness and self compassion, not the opposite of it. The people who you think are most disciplined are actually. Doing the things they say they're going to do because they have an extremely high level of awareness. They know how to talk to themselves. They understand their own behavior and they understand how they work. And all of that awareness and clarity about their own behavior comes from self-compassion because self-compassion isn't about letting yourself off the hook. It isn't about saying, oh, who cares? It's about saying, this is the action I took and I understand fundamentally why I took that action mm-hmm. and if you understand why you do like the very good reasons that you do the behavior that you do then you're going to have a much higher level of awareness on how to change it um this is something that comes from pn but on the pn curriculum team they would always say every behavior is an attempt to solve a problem mm-hmm. and if you stop viewing your own behavior as like oh i'm just lazy or i'm just undisciplined or i'm just being stupid or whatever it might be stop that quit that that talk it's completely unhelpful and instead when you do something that doesn't feel aligned with your values ask yourself what were the very good reasons i did that what physical or psychological need was i fulfilling what was it that drove me towards that choice and how can i understand that on a deeper level so that i can pivot or prevent or f- fulfill that need in another place in the future This is juicy stuff. Can you give us an example of what
0: this would look like? Let's say, let's say someone, someone has set a goal. They're going to go to the gym after work each day. Mm -hmm. She doesn't go to the gym that day. She went home. Mm -hmm. What would a self-compassionate response look like in this situation?
1: Yeah. So a self-compassionate response has three components, right? So the first one is mindfulness. So that really looks like being aware of the feelings that you are experiencing in the moment and the feelings that you were experiencing in the moment. So that would look like you sitting down and being like, I am feeling guilty or I feel guilty for not going to the gym. Okay. It's completely a human thing to feel guilty. Right. And then also saying, you know, I didn't go to the gym because I felt stressed. I was feeling stressed and it felt like, more of a resolution of that stress. It felt more comforting. I was seeking comfort by going home where I could watch TV and be with my partner and whatever than challenging myself to go to the gym. So that's the, f- the first component, mindfulness. The second component is common humanity. So understanding that like people, humans skip the gym sometimes. It is okay to skip the gym sometimes and accepting that because as soon as you stop viewing decisions as good or bad, as soon as you stop characterizing them as right or wrong, then the next time you have to make that decision, there's gonna be a lot less pressure. And without the pressure and stress, your brain is gonna be a lot better equipped to make a decision that feels aligned for you, right? So those I think in in this situation are the two um, that I think are most relevant. So I would I would look at in an, in a review setting, okay, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I was feeling. Mindfulness and then common humanity in terms of okay, people experience this. And then I guess the third concept is lack of self judgment. So, not judging yourself, not saying I am good or bad because of this thing, but separating that decision. I made this decision. That doesn't mean I am or am not anything as a person. And from there, you can get to that place of curiosity of like, okay, What created that stress? Do I want to work through that stress differently in the future? Is there a different time I should be going to the gym? Do I want to have a ritual after work to reduce some of that stress? Like, how do I want to adjust knowing that sometimes I'm seeking comfort at the end of the workday? So
0: coming at it from this place of curiosity and what can I learn from this? What might I do differently or the same next time um, Mm -hmm. versus, you know, I'm so lazy. I, the problem is me. Like I always do this, like those kind of things that we kind of fall back on that are just not useful. They're just plain, not useful. And they feel terrible, frankly, anyway, this has been a great chat car. And I think we've given people a lot of things to think about as they're heading into the new year. I love to end my chats with my guests by talking with them about how they move their bodies just so we can inspire other women by like, Hey, here's how I move
1: my body. What is your movement practice practice looking like these days? Yeah. So, um, I was training for a powerlifting meet this year. I then got very burnt out of training from the powerlifting meet and I took a break and just decided to do 30 minutes of movement every single day. That was my commitment to myself. And it was whatever that looked like. So there were days where I was like really sick, where I, that literally looked like laying on the floor, like in happy baby pose for 30 minutes. And I would count that as my movement because movement for me is time spent with my body. Right. And so that I think is my movement practice right now is I look at my day and I figure out where the 30 minutes is. And then depending on where I'm at, I will do, um, like yoga or walk my dog, I am starting to run now because one of my, one of the things I'm doing in 2023 is I'm running a half marathon. And then I also have another powerlifting meet in 2023. So I'm lifting, running, and yoga, walking in between. Nice. Those are some exciting goals. So um, what's your favorite of the powerlifting lifts? I love bench. You do? Uh, yes.
0: I love I bench do. too. I think that's no, it's it's un- my un- weakest lift, but I still love it. <laughs>
1: I think it stems back to, um, I started lifting in Alabama and particularly in Alabama. I don't know if it's because it's the South or what, but there were not a lot of women who would bench press. And so when I would walk up to the bench press and I would start bench pressing men at the gym would always kind of like, give me a weird look. Like they couldn't believe that I was there bench pressing and something about that just like feels like such a power trip for me. So I love, I love benching. Oh, fantastic! I
0: had the great opportunity to um, go to a clinic with uh, the greatest uh, female bencher of all time, Jen Thompson. I don't know if you know Jen; she's fantastic. She's a ten-time world champion. Um, she actually came on my podcast. I went to a clinic with her. Um, it was fantastic. Like it's amazing to see that woman lift. So love to hear that you love bench. I I still have not reached my goal to have a body weight bench, but I just I love training for it. I find great satisfaction in it. Thank you so much for being here with us, Karin. Where can people connect with you?
1: Absolutely. So I am on Instagram primarily at Karin Nordine PhD, um, or you can just go directly to our website, bodybrainalliance.com. If you go to my Instagram or our website under resources, we have a free future self map activity. So it's actually a mini course and it teaches you how to figure out your values and how to figure out what habits might help you embody those values on a daily basis. So that's where I suggest you start. Fantastic. Thanks
0: so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here.